الجزيرة بودكاست We're going to start with breaking news from Burkina Faso, where the army has seized control of the country. A coup in Burkina Faso. You might find yourself thinking, didn't that happen already this year? That's because it did, in January. In Burkina Faso's capital, Ouagadougou, people reported hearing the sound of heavy and sustained gunfire. But at the end of last month, it happened again. In the Red Beret, Captain Ibrahim Traoré, Burkina Faso's new junta leader and self-appointed president. Thousands gathered in the capital in what seemed like a victory parade. So what are the conditions that have led to two coups in eight months? I'm Hala Mahiuddin, and this is The Take. At the end of last month, Ibrahim Traoré, an unknown 34-year-old army captain, led a coup to oust Burkina Faso's president, Paul-Henri Damiba. Damiba had only been in power since January, when he himself led a coup to become the country's leader. Another coup in Burkina Faso. Residents woke to the sound of gunfire. Soldiers took positions on the capital's main artery. The military has named coup leader Lieutenant Colonel Paul-Henri Sandauga Damiba, interim president. From the outside looking in, two coups in such a short space of time might seem hard to comprehend. But according to Al Jazeera's Nicholas Huck, who's been covering West Africa for almost a decade, for the Burkinabe people, it was a bit more predictable. What happened on September 30th may have come as a surprise to most of the world, but perhaps not for people inside Burkina Faso. There was gunfire that erupted in the middle of the night outside the presidential palace. Usually when that happens, people wake up, they start calling each other. But there was this eerie calm in the capital, Ouagadougou, a sense of déjà vu. At the heart of Burkina Faso's instability is its security crisis in the north of the country, where armed rebel groups affiliated with al-Qaeda and ISIL have taken root since 2015. Breaking news out of Burkina Faso, where one of the biggest massacres in years has been committed. This is what's left of the once bustling village of Solhan. A group of armed men attacked, shooting people and burning down their homes. Violence attributed to the fighters has displaced two million people and killed thousands. Earlier this year, an official for ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States, said the states in Burkina Faso only has control of 60% of the country. Yakuba, a local in Ouagadougou, told us it's a situation that's constantly on the minds of the Burkinabi people. The security situation in Burkina Faso is not improving at all. We have been facing terrorism for the past seven years. And for these past seven years, we have been struggling. The army has been struggling. The citizens of Burkina Faso have been struggling. But so far, nothing is improving. Internal displaced people, they are not returning to their homes. They are not returning to their villages. And it is not improving because daily people are being killed. The discontent over the state's inability to deal with the fighters in the north isn't limited to the general population. 
but within the military as well. A growing frustration has mounted in the military ranks about the defeats they're suffering to the rebels, and a feeling for some, like the country's new president, Ibrahim Traoré, that they can do better. I asked Nick about Burkina Faso's new leader. Captain Ibrahim Traoré is in his 30s, so you have to bear in mind that he has experience for his entire life, the rule of Blaise Compaoré, who was also a military soldier that took over in a coup. Traoré joined the army, and he was then specialized into a special unit that was created to fight armed groups linked to ISIL and Al-Qaeda. He was, until the coup, posted in a city called Kayar, which I've traveled to. Kayar is home to people displaced because of the violence of armed conflict. So we're talking about 2 million people are displaced. The vast majority are in this town of Kayar. So Captain Trare has, over the years, seen the influx of people coming in. Mostly children are refugees in this country. And there's been attacks around the vicinity of Kayar where Captain Trare has had to come into action. And that gives you a premise of what Trare is all about. And what about democratic institutions in Burkina Faso? I mean, we're talking about coup after coup after coup here. Are these democratic institutions fundamentally broken? What we have to remember is the context in which democracy arised in these countries. Not just Burkina Faso, but all other countries in the region where there has been coups. Now, these countries have all one thing in common, Hala. They're all former French colonies, and they all have a French military base. And despite the presence of the French military, these coups keep on happening, which suggests to the population that sometimes, rightly or wrongly, the French are involved or meddling into the country's affair. And these countries that had peaceful independence, you know, there was no war of independence against France, all have had this almost like copy-pasted constitution of France and put them in an African context. And at the root of why there's dysfunctioning democracies in the region is this key issue. Are the constitutions or the democratic institutions that were copy and pasted or imported from France, do they function in a West African or a Burkina Bay society? It seems not. The relationship between Burkina Faso and France is complicated, steeped in colonialism. Anti-French sentiment has been very visible in recent years, something French President Emmanuel Macron has tried to tackle since his election in 2017. That was a really pivotal time, a change of French policy towards Africa. And his first visit was Burkina Faso. And he went there not to meet the president, per se, but to have a town hall meeting with young students from the university in Burkina Faso. I mean, an incredible moment that you would have never imagined. I am like you, from a generation that never knew Africa as a colonized continent. I am from a generation for whom one of the great political memories was the victory of Nelson Mandela. This is the history of our generation. Here's a young president, Macron, who's about my age, who doesn't have the whole history of colonialism behind, who's a break from the past. 
so have people warmed to Macron in, in Burkina Faso? I mean, because you, you get the sense there's very much an anti-French sort of sentiment. I think that Macron opened the door for a different dialogue and young people just walked in and made their demands. And, and Macron did things that no other French presidents have done before, like open a commission to rethink the relationship with France. And, and so he opened the door to a broader discussion, to criticism. He did these talks last year in Montpellier where he invited young people to come and have a go at him. Macron's efforts, however, haven't paid off. After the break, we'll look at why Burkina Faso might be snubbing France and turning to Russia instead. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. There is historical baggage with France, but it also looks like there's a couple of other major players who are looking for influence, uh, shall we say, in West Africa, particularly in Burkina Faso. And I'm talking mainly about Russia. They have been making that play for influence in Burkina Faso. And many are welcoming Russia with open arms, aren't they? Can you just talk to us a little bit about that dynamic? I mean, it is astonishing for me to see Macron a couple of years ago, people waving French flags when he came in town. You know, when they saw the French special forces or the French military, people were waving French flags. And now people have like almost turned that flag upside down to turn it into a Russian flag. We don't want no more France. We are here because we need the defense of Russia. France haven't done anything who has given us success. Literally, the stripes have changed from vertical to horizontal. And we're seeing people waving the Russian flag. And I've seen this in Mali and now in Burkina Faso. So even though Macron did all these things in terms of outreach, people still seem a bit more excited about Russia. Is that fair? Well, yeah, because Russia doesn't have the loaded colonial past. It doesn't have the military base on the ground. It doesn't have the history. It's really interesting in in Russian propaganda movies that target an African audience. They don't even mention France, you know. They know that's that's just a one cause. There's also active people on social media that are really fomenting this anti-French sentiment throughout French-speaking Africa. At the heart of Russia's efforts to gain a foothold in West Africa is an organisation shrouded in secrecy, the Wagner Group, run by a close ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin, is a group of mercenaries who provide fighters and military training to foreign countries. You can't talk about Russian foreign policy in Africa without talking about the Wagner Group. Now, Wagner first were active in Sudan, and then were active in the Central African Republic. I went in with a team, and we saw Russian fighters training the Central African Army. The soldiers work for the government here. So does the man training them. Soldiers should know how to approach the object. 
And we met the special advisor to the president, President Twitter. His name was Valery Sakharov. And he told me straight off, I told him, what's your interest here? And he said, Russia is back in Africa. And that gives you the tone of what it's all about. The model of Wagner is that they come into countries where they are rich in minerals and resources. So the Central African Republic is rich in diamonds and gold. Burkina Faso is a country that is rich in minerals. And the Wagner Group has been trying to get in to help the government there, but have not managed to do so, at least until now. Wagner only acts in countries where there is the interest of Russia on a geopolitical front. Why would Burkina Faso gravitate towards Russia? We know what's in it for Russia. What's in it for Burkina Faso? I think the army of Burkina Faso are looking for any other alternative to France as a partner And what's interesting is that Wagner does multiple operations, right? It it provides soldiers, fighters on the ground. It extracts from mines. But it also has a key component on social media. It also does these productions. They also do these social media videos on TikTok, making war fun, trying to attract young African soldiers. It's a multifaceted operation that's very useful to Vladimir Putin right now. Because if he can get these countries support in the short run and in the long run, that gives Russia and Vladimir Putin a lot more sway on the ground. The more countries that support him, especially given the situation in Europe, the better it is for him. So as Abdullah Job, the foreign minister of Mali, told me once, it's a win-win situation for the Russians and for these countries in the Sahel. But while France and Russia jockey for influence, it's the groups tied to ISIL and Al-Qaeda that have taken control of large parts of the north of Burkina Faso, something Nick says is getting lost in a lot of the coverage about the country. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIL before his death, when he saw the territory being destroyed in Syria and in Iraq, had said that they will regroup in Africa. And it's happening. It's happening now and it's happening out of sight. And it's happening quickly. The fighters from ISIL and Al-Qaeda are made up of local nationals, people from Burkina Faso, from Mali, from Niger. They're people from Nigeria, from the local Area, But it is an international global organization that has control over vast swath land in the tri-border area of Burkina Faso, Niger and Mali. Just the last two years has been incredible to see how much they've gained and how brazen their attacks have been. Right now, they're holding a siege over the town of Jibo. Now, most people in the world have never heard of the town of Jibo. The extremists have reportedly cut off access and are also stopping residents from leaving the town that is also the capital of the Somme province. It's a town of 350,000 people, some of them who are said to be dying of hunger. The situation is absolutely dire. No one can get access to this area. 
It's not as if it's happening in Syria, close to Turkey, it has a strong link to the West. No, no one is seeing the absolute disaster and humanitarian catastrophe unfolding in the Sahel right now. And these groups are launching attacks further and further towards the coast of West Africa. We've seen attacks in Togo, Benin, Ivory Coast. Make no mistake, their ambition is to gain grounds, is to come closer and closer to the capital, Ouagadougou. Do you think Burkina Faso is equipped to deal with ISIL? Absolutely not. I think that we've perhaps underestimated how savvy and smart the local fighters from Al-Qaeda and ISIL are. There's been a terrible drought last year, and so much of this conflict, Kala, is driven by the fact that the weather in the Sahel is changing and that people are not able to feed their families. Armed groups control the wells and the water points, and they're bouncing off the absence of the state, the state that hasn't brought water, the state that hasn't brought electricity, the state that has forgotten large parts of their population. So so what's the plan here? The young captain and now the president of Burkina Faso, Ibrahim Traoré, he's got a lot of pressure on him. He's been on the front line. He knows what he's up against. And that's why there's a level of desperation to try to seek alternatives from France. If the military in Burkina Faso is still suffering these sorts of defeats, if it's still going to keep losing territory to ISIL, how sustainable is this for this new government, who, let's not forget, is led by an inexperienced captain who's in his 30s? I mean, are we looking at another coup in a few months' time? The dangers in Burkina Faso is internal fighting. The main challenge for Captain Traoré is to unite the army, but also unite the people and to heal the divisions and to rebuild trust. Trust is broken within the military. Trust is broken between soldiers and the civilians that they're meant to protect. Trust is broken between the state and its major military support and ally, France. So rebuilding that trust is going to be a major challenge. And this feeling among other soldiers, if this captain can do it, why not me? Right now, when they're going to be seeing young Captain Ibrahim Traoré in the palace, there'll be a desire, and some of them will be wondering, why not me? Chances of a coup again is highly likely, but chances of greater instability is even more likely. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra with Nagin Oliai, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Chloe K. Lee, Alexandra Locke, and me, Hala Mohiedin. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Tim Sinclair mixed this episode. Aya Elmalek and Adam Abugad are the Take's engagement producers. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Friday.